Before we get started with today's podcast, we'd like to ask returning listeners to leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast platform, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you really enjoy it, share a link to this podcast with friends or family who would enjoy hearing our weekly discussions about basketball and basketball culture. Now, on to the show. Yeah, isn't it amazing when Michigan can keep this game to a 19-foot, 9-inch game inside that three-point line, it's all there. Welcome to the 19.9 podcast. We're continuing our journey into hardwood heaven with our guest today, Chris Stone. Chris is a senior director of global sports marketing for Under Armour, works directly with Steph Curry and on all things Curry brand. He's also a grad assistant with uh, Coach Tarkanian at, at Fresno State, going way back, played alongside Jason Kidd in high school. I'm going to throw it to Josh uh, Barnett, my co-host and one of the co-owners of 199, to kick things off here, uh, talking to Chris. Yeah, thanks, Meyer, and uh, thanks to you, Chris, for agreeing to, to join us uh, on the pod. I know that we've had um, a few phone conversations where it, it started off as as – uh, a little bit of business and then it just turned into basketball talking. So as we were talking, I'm like, you know what? Why don't you just come on the podcast and we'll just talk hoops for a little bit. So that, that's uh, great. greatly that's, appreciate you taking the time. Appreciate it. And what an intro, man. That's <laughs> amazing. Hey, well, I'll Thank tell you, you what. You know, titles aren't everything, but d- Senior Director of Global Sports Marketing. I'm, I don't, I, yeah. I'm a little jealous. I'm not going to lie. I, lo- I love it. That, that doesn't mean anything. Uh, so, uh, that's earned. That's I'm earned. Gonna, that's humble. overrated. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna steal. I'm gonna steal that intro, and I'm just gonna put like 99 <laughs> under armor in there. Just make myself more important. Yeah. Hey, hey. More before we get started, everything you guys are doing is so incredible. It's authentic. Um, I'm a big fan of your brand that you guys have created. It's it's amazing, man. It it, it really is. And everybody that um, we get this product in front of just absolutely loves the product so congratulations on on all your success there no thank you a lot man that means a lot and and we certainly appreciate it and certainly appreciate the people that you put us in touch with too to get some product in their hand and, sure. and just kind of um we were talking on the pod yesterday with uh nick DePala and ian stonebrook and we were just talking about the basketball culture in general and how the basketball culture once you kind of get in there and you find your niche within um, that culture, everybody kind of takes care of everybody else and everybody runs in the same circles. And it's just this spider web of links that come back to, you know, seven degrees of separation of just the game of basketball almost. Um, and so we greatly appreciate you, uh, uh, kind of bringing us under your wing a little bit and, and spreading us out to some of your contacts and things like that too. And it's just a, a really cool thing to, to be a part of for sure. Absolutely. Met so many great people like Nick and, and, you guys through the game of basketball. So we're all connected to the culture. And uh, Nick is a walking encyclopedia of, of, of it's basketball wild. knowledge. It's we wild. So that yesterday. He I, almost I, gave me – he, he literally almost gave me like a migraine talking about like the most minute details of some of these uh some basketball shoes and stuff where you know i i pride myself on knowing a lot about about shoes and knowing a lot about um yeah. just the game of basketball and stuff like that but then when he gets start he starts talking i'm just uh, like man i need like i need you to be holding up pictures of these shoes like yeah. if i see the picture i'll know them but i don't like, know them by their exact minute detail name 
release date, all that stuff. He's incredible. I'm like, hey, Nick, have you ever watched like a sitcom TV show that has nothing to do with sports or shoes <laughs> yeah. or basketball? Nope. Yeah. Nope. But the pandemic's been actually good for him because it's forced him to actually uh, spread his wings a little bit and, and get into some culture outside of the game of basketball. Yeah. So it's been good. Yeah. I was prepping. I read his article with you. Uh, it was a few years back, but he's talking about the micro G technology and kind of how uh, Steph ended up with Under Armour. So that was, a, that was a fun read. I saw his name and I'm like, oh, there's a connection right there. Yeah, I, I think I remember meeting Nick um, probably – one of my first years living in New York at, at Slam, I think I was still working at Slam Magazine. And uh, I had a little studio apartment like on 11th Street between 3rd and 4th Avenue. And him and his business partner, Steve, came over. And we were just, uh, that was the first time I I believe I'd met him. So it's been, yeah. it's been I don't know, 20 years later. <laughs> so before we get too far down the rabbit hole of, of, of working at Slam and and all the connections and stuff. Let's let's start at the beginning. Um, and we always like to kind of give our guests uh, the floor to just kind of tell their origin story of how they fell in love with the game. I know you're a big golfer too, so I want to get into that a little bit as well. But we'll start with basketball. Um, how did you fall in love with the game coming up? We know that you're from the Bay. We know that you yeah. went to um, high school with Jason Kidd and, and played with Jason Kidd and won a state championship, and we can get into all that. But um, just from even before – high school like what what why did you gravitate towards basketball um well growing up here in in alameda right outside of oakland um saint joseph notre dame just had such a rich rich bas basketball tradition you know frank laporte being the head coach there for so many years um as a kid as a young kid my brother's four years older than me and he played basketball as well but um growing up and and seeing those high school games um, it, it would be like the equivalent to kind of like St. Anthony's in Jersey, you know, mm -hmm. when Hurley was there back in the yep. day and all those guys. His and, dad was um, there forever. Yeah. It's like just a really small Catholic high school, 450 students, boys and girls. And basketball was a centerpiece because they didn't have a football team. And um, basketball is really the focus point from an athletic perspective to that school in and being around that from a young age, it just, I was really drawn to it, you know, in, in the game and just, you know, um, being, growing up in the Bay Area, being a melting pot of cultures and people, basketball is a connection to uh, experiencing so many um, cultures, you know, and people. And, it, you know, the, the, I just love the pace of the game and um, was just drawn to it and, and competing. So, you know, again, I, I, you know, just there's so much tradition there. And, and Coach Lippy, who's taking the program over, um, I s try to support the program as much as possible now. But it's just uh, it's kind of in your blood if you grow up in this area, um, basketball and, and, and that program. That's amazing. So I'm, I, I know that Jason Kidd gets a lot of the a lot of the hype for that 91 state championship, but. I did get the clip of it on uh, YouTube today that I was able to thumb through real quick. And, and uh, Chris Stone pops up and it says 14 points tonight. So 14 That's... points in a state championship game is pretty legit. Nothing. Yeah, it, I mean, it was, a, it was okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, Wait, okay, let, let me rephrase it. It's better than the other two dudes on this pod have ever <laughs> yeah. done uh, in a state championship game. Yeah. So yeah. You, you have that at least. It was, I think it was all like, I don't know. Maybe all the running joke is, you know, you get your shots in the first half and then Jason goes for his in the second. 
Okay. You know, so you got to get, get the most you can in, the, in that first half. He's I think known I for assists, like, so he's got to get his assists too, right? Um, yeah, I mean, Jason that night was actually 5 for 25 from the field. I think he was uh, 16 to 17 from the line. There you go. Um, but, you know, he had probably about 12 or 13 rebounds and about 13 assists. So, mm-hmm. you know, in maximum effort. And I think every every basket that mattered in the last two minutes he made, you know, or, or just yeah. made plays, and he just put you on his back. And And the one thing, you know, with him was just like you just knew every single night he was going to play so, so hard, you know. Um, no one was going to outwork him. And yeah. any loose ball in the last – two or three minutes of the game, he was going to get his hands on it. And uh, so, you know, you just had to be ready and do your part and shoot the ball when it came to you because he knew, he knew it was coming to you. So, <laughs> Might not know well, where it's coming from, though. Favorite. He made it easy. I wish he could play with Steph. I wish yeah. Jason in his prime was playing with Steph. Whew. That would that would have been fun to watch. That would, that would be something. So it, it's uh, one of my favorite things about social media. I'm not a huge social media guy. I don't have – uh, any of my own personal stuff up there, just just through the business. But um, one of my favorite things is is following the accounts that we follow, and then when it's somebody's birthday, like it was Jason's yesterday, I believe, uh, was all the highlights and the clips that all these different um, social media accounts post. Because you do forget as time as time goes on, you do forget how damn good these guys were for sure. so long. And uh, some of the J Kid highlights, like I watched probably a good, just on social media, probably a good hour and a half of clips because I couldn't. I, you go down a rabbit hole when that stuff pops up, you know, and and uh, just just an incredible uh, basketball player in general, yeah. which we all knew, but it's always nice to be reminded from time to time. It's funny because you know when I first met Jason, it was like in the I don't know eighth grade, I think, where he would come over to St. Joe's and play. I was a year ahead of him in school, and he'd come over and play. And, you know, his his game was like – it was almost like the same from when he was like <laughs> yeah. 10, 11, 12, 13 years old to when he was like, you know, 28, 30. He was like the same. And then as he got older, he developed – he learned how to shoot the ball mm. and make shots, mm. you know, um, which some he didn't really have to do a whole lot because he could just find a way to get to the basket and score. He's so much stronger and bigger than guys, but – you know, when we were coming up, obviously there was no social media, and you had a pencil and a paper if you had to get somewhere, you know. Um, but, you know, it it was hard to, to get into our basketball games because um, you couldn't see him play on TV. You couldn't see him play on Instagram. You couldn't see Ball's Life or Overtime Highlights or whatever it is. You had to actually go see him play. So, and there was such a an aura around him and people just wanted to see it for themselves. Um, so a lot of our games were at community colleges or colleges in this area or at the Oakland Coliseum um, coming up. So it was just, a, it was a really fun experience. It was a great ride. And, um, you know, from an early age, you saw what superstardom looked like, mm. you know, because it was it was absolutely massive. Him and Joe Montana here in the Bay Area were like the biggest athletes. <laughs> You know, and ones in high school, ones winning Super Bowls. Wow, that's crazy. There is something galvanizing about high school athletics, though. We've talked a little bit about the the Baltimore boys and how the the Dunbar guys, that city united around them. Mm -hmm. There's something about the the accessibility and and that you can see your kids go to school with them. There's something about that that really can connect to a community. So that's cool that you're a part of that. Yeah. Hey, I want to talk to you a little bit. 
I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, Fresno State. Uh, had you as a gra- I've got my Tark shirt on. Uh, had I love a, it. Yeah. A, uh, I have a funny story about that towel, though. Oh, good. That's well. That you, you're no, reading I my mind. You're reading my mind because I, I, I think in the ESPN it was a Darren Ravel article listed you as uh, the Tark uh, towel guy or something like that. And I was like, yeah, oh, okay. was yeah, towel prepare. Okay, yeah. so I'm gonna let you go. So yeah. tell us what what does that mean and what's the deal with the towel? Well, I mean. There were there were actual instructions uh, of how to <laughs> roll the two towels, how to damp, make them damp and wet them, and then where to exactly place them under his seat before every game. And we were in Puerto Rico. We we're playing in a tournament. I think we we're playing against like Cincinnati or something. And some guys, some some fans stole his towels. Oh no! And he's reaching around in the second half looking for his towels. <laughs> and myself and Will Hooker, Will Hooker, who was actually he was a graduate assistant and. He was the all-time leading scorer of Fresno State history, and Tark would say, "You're the only dumbass to stay here for four years. That's why, you know, <laughs> yeah, that 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 record." But um, <laughs> you know, we were scrambling, we were scrambling to to, to find some towels and and uh, get those things right for him for the you know in the middle of the second half. Like he was freaking out, you know, he's reaching down, and then one year when I had him out. Um, to to New York uh, for my Elite Twenty Four game that I started in two thousand six. I had coach come out in two thousand seven to be a be an assistant coach or a coach for the game or whatever. And so he walks in the Rucker Park and some guys like, "Hey, Tark, where's your towel?" And Jerry's like, "Fuck you, I'm like, fuck you." It was it was amazing, you know. But he had a way with words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going. I was going to ask. Uh, I think it's a it's a it's a good lead in because I had that under the elite twenty four. I was gonna I was gonna have you tell that story because we had you told me that story on the phone one time, and I've told it probably fifteen times since. Just yeah. the people that that love Tark. Uh, but what made Tark so beloved? Like I'm down here in Southern Indiana. Aaron is is in Southern Indiana too, and we like love Jerry Tarkanian so much. Um, yeah. and we had no no connection to him. Uh, obviously, the teams, you can see the poster behind me, the 91, 90 and 91 UNLV teams. The 87 UNLV team was great. He had some other Final Fours in there, too. Um, but it wasn't, to me, uh, to a lot of people, it was about those teams, LJ and and Stacey Augman and, and Greg Anthony, Anderson Hunt, and, and those great teams, which were phenomenal, too. But for me, growing up, like, Tark was always the guy. You mm-hmm. know, hmm. what, what, what about him um, just kind of – what what – was it just his charisma or, or uh, his look or his vibe? Like what? what, well, what he looked like a sad puppy all the time. <laughs> yeah. He, I mean, like Aaron's wearing the caricature shirt, but the man himself was a caricature, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's like, yeah. yeah. I remember Potato. when, um, I'm, I'm half Armenian. So we had a sort of somewhat of that connection. Um, I remember when he hired me, he said, Hey, Chris, if, if you're loyal to me, I'll be loyal to you. It was one of those conversations and you just went on, you know, he truly, truly, generally, like so many other coaches, loved his players. Um, obviously, he was reaching out to players that needed help. Um, he was a, you know, if you ask coach, you know, screwing a light bulb, he would have no clue. Like, <laughs> he was such a basketball guy, you know, mm-hmm. in, in terms of, you know, he really would sit there with strangers and talk basketball. And he loved the game so much. He was just he was so mellow outside of the game. You know, he was a a very mellow, relaxed, chill guy. But once, you know, once like 
practice started, you knew it was going to be three and a half hours of hell. <laughs> really, like it, it was no joke. Like yeah. his practices were very, 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 very intense. And the starters, you know, the starting five would play three hours of defense and 30 minutes of offense. And, and it was it was miserable. So when they got to the games, it was like easy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and you know, he he just had a way, like, I remember Winford Walton, one of these guys, he was a McDonald's All-American. He transferred uh, from Syracuse, and we brought him in. He was probably 50 pounds overweight when he got to us. And, you know, we got him in shape, and he got in shape. And I remember, he, you know, when he got eligible, after he had, he had to sit out a year because of transferring. We had a lot of those guys that had to sit out a year when, you know, they had transferred. Right. So, but, um, you know, he was stinking it up one day in practice. Uh, he was really bad. And coach was just kind of like, Winford, go take a nap. You're useless today. Go take a nap. But it wasn't like, it was like funny. Yeah. You uh-huh. know, it's like, he's not motherfucking him. And he's not, you know, he's not like, but he's like, hey, go take a nap. Come back tomorrow. You know, it's like, he just had a way with the guys. The guys would laugh. And he, he was really just, he loved his players. He, he just, you know, culturally, he was a renegade, and and you know he didn't agree with NCAA and their principles and their philosophies back in the '80s and '90s, you know, and and it, it just you know, and you're seeing all this stuff come out today, right. you know, and I think he was ahead of it, you know, mm-hmm. he was ahead of it, and because um, in in anything in life, right, if you don't have the talent, you can't build the business, right, and, and so he was a player's coach, you know, he's a really, and he he just had a profound understanding of um a lot of the hardships that these players came from and um he had empathy for that you know and i think the play- that was genuine and the players felt it there's definitely a camaraderie that you build up on a team like that where you know what a person says out of, taken out of context could really sound terrible but there's such a, a bond and and an ability to call people out when you know them on that level and when you work so closely together like you said three hour practices like you're getting to know people if you're practicing that long every day sure i mean he used to always tell the guys too like the greatest thing about sports is you know you can't cheat sports um Good. you can't con sports and like he would say to the guys, you know, you can go through life and you can figure out a way to con your boss to kind of just hang on and hang on and hang on. And, 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 you know, you can con your teacher to get a grade and you can con people. But in sports, if you haven't been putting in the work and if you're not putting in the time, there's 20,000 people in that arena that are going to know. Yeah, no right? doubt. So, so th- it's those- just sports can be very black and white at times, right? If you're not working, it's going to show. Those Fresno teams had some uh, super big talent and big personalities. Uh, is there anybody that sticks out to you in particular from those teams? I mean, you know, Chris Heron was like, uh, you know, James Dean, you know, <laughs> as a ball player, you know, yes. you know, just he, he had just such an incredible presence when he walked into a room. Mm. Um, he had game to back it up. He played hard. Uh, one summer I had Jay Kidd out. You know, to work out with uh, Jason was still in um, Phoenix, and so it was early in Jason's career. And um, I had Jason come out for like a week just to work out with all the guys and play. It was during the summertime, maybe like in August. And uh, I remember it was Chris and I playing against Jason and I think Will Hooker, and we played probably like seven games of two on two. And 
you know, it was a deciding game and, you know, uh, they ended up winning the game, but Jason went out into the hallway and just started throwing up in a garbage can. And he's like, who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> like, cause Chris was really good, yeah. you know, and could shoot it and so strong, um, and had such a massive chip on his shoulder, mm. um, huge personality. Um, but you know, and, 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 you know, Chris was dealing with a lot of other stuff that no one really knew about and how, how severe it was, but that's just how good he was. You mm. know, um, he was an amazing talent. Um, but there were just so many guys, you know, like so many different cast of characters that, that came through that program. I remember Courtney Alexander um, transferred, uh, I believe, from Virginia. Yep. And um, you could tell right away that Chris Chris and him were going to get along too well. So that was interesting. <laughs> it's different how did, guys. How, how did Tart get uh, Skip out there? Uh, Rafer ended up going to community college at, at, at Fresno. Um, okay. It was just kind of like a, you know, somewhat of a pipeline, you know. Um, you know, we almost had Stephon Marbury. You know, we were close wow. to to sign, landing Steph and and Lamar Odom. Those those were guys that you know Jerry worked. Man, he yeah. was at every single AU game and every single high school game that he could get to. He was there. He was he's a gym rat. Yeah, you know, and I think by him just continuing to show up and show up and show up. You know, it wasn't for him about writing letters. It was about actually being present. And uh, that's how he, he he got guys, you know, because he, he showed a lot of love and interest. And, and and a lot of the guys that we were going after, um, they could all have played at Duke in North Carolina, but they wouldn't let him in those schools, you know. Hmm. So, uh, you know, time. like different. Yeah, and, and, you know, a lot of the guys that, that we had, you know, at, at that time at Fresno State were – guys that needed a second or third chance. And, and, and those guys were very loyal to Jerry um, and the coaching staff for, for giving them a second and third chance, you know? So there, yeah. there was a connection right there. So get, getting uh, back to, to Tark a little bit and just talking about him being a gym rat and uh, Meyer and I talk about this all the time offline is those, those guys, those old coaches, those old personalities that we grew up with in the seventies, eighties, nineties, um, a lot of those guys came from the high school ranks or came from the community college ranks or came from the small schools and just worked their way up um, and were just total basketball guys. So many of these college coaches, our problem with college coaches uh, now is they're politicians uh, is kind of how we, we, we categorize them to an extent. Um, will we ever get to see the big personalities again in the college game, like your Bob Knights, your Raleigh Massimino's, your Jim Valvano's, your Jerry Tarkanian's, or has that day come and gone in your opinion? Uh, it's probably come and gone, you know, I, I, I believe so. Too much I mean, money involved, you think? I don't know. I mean, I, I gotta be honest with you. Like it's, it's hard for me to watch college basketball these days. You know, it's the game is slow. Um, I, I, you know, you can go four or five minutes without it, you know, a team scoring. If you're um, IU, you can go eight <laughs> to 12 minutes yeah. without scoring, unfortunately. It's tough. You know, like Bobby Huggins was a dear, dear friend of Coach Tarkanian. Love, love Huggy and, Bear. And, and he's one of the last ones, you know. Um, he is. You know, from, from that kind of regime. But those personalities are hard to come by now because, you know, if you say anything to a kid now, it's like, hell, you're going to get fired. So, yeah. Well, you know, we're both you, reading the John Thompson book right now and, and just a legendary personality and, and figure. I think um, it's harder now to coach than ever, you know, because yeah. um, you just explain you know, that there, there, there's so much spotlight now on um, what happens inside a locker room with social media, 
cameras everywhere, everybody filming everything, you know, every everything being recorded. It's like, you know, um, you know, I mean, there's principles that I live my life by to today through different coaches I've had in my life that that it's tough love at times, you know, and today tough love is deemed as like sometimes a bad thing, you know, uh, being right. honest with the kid and being really transparent and honest, you know, and so it's, 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 it's tricky. I think coaching kids today is harder than ever because of all the, you know, exposure and, 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 um, you know, all the limelight that they, they receive at such an early age is, there's a lot of false expectations, you know? Um, so, you know, it's amazing what, um, I would say what's amazing is, you know, um, LaMelo or is it LaMelo? Or L- L- what, the one that just got hurt? LaMelo. Mello? Yeah, yeah LaMelo. Yep. I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing when you think about like that he's lived up to the billing with all of the attention and everything that, that has come to this point in his life. Like, I don't know if he's ever lived a day in his life without a camera in his face or something right. being documented. And to be exactly. able to go out and, and perform at that level at the, at the NBA at that age, so young, it's amazing. I you yeah. know I have a lot I'm, of respect not, for him. I'm not a LeBron guy at all, um, but I will never say a negative word about him yeah. because of the way he had what you just said, the camera in his face and all the expectations that he had from such a young age. And he actually followed through and made it is insanely incredible to me like completely overachieved completely overachieved yeah Um, curry right so it doesn't matter where you fall on the lebron debate you have to you have to tip your cap to 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 what he's been able to do with that immense pressure on him from such a young age it just doesn't happen normally i agree i agree i mean i watched that with um jason growing up he had that type of uh, attention but the social media wasn't there and it it, you know, and and he played 19 years, and, and and to me, he lived up to it. You know, absolutely. So absolutely, it's just it's not easy to do. But you know, and 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 he would say all the time, it's it's one thing in being a player in the league, and it's another thing when you're the franchise. Because when you're the franchise, <laughs> good or bad, you have to you have to answer answer for it every single night. And you know that that wears you down. That beats on you. No doubt. One of our things that we loved is just like the grassroots basketball and summer basketball. So I wanted to ask you just about the Elite 24, how you came up with the, the concept for that, and then any chance of uh, bringing that back to the Rucker or, or any plans for yeah. that in the future? Um, you know, at the time, um, you know, a really good friend of mine that I'd grown up with, Chris Rivers, and I were, um, I, you know, I, he was, I think he was running grassroots basketball with Sonny over at Reebok at the time or Adidas. Can't remember. But Sonny's been at all of them. So yeah. It's hard to track. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember which one it was, but you know, when when we were coming up, it was like the one destination was Nike All American camp, A B C D camp. And you know, when the other shoe companies started to really heavily get involved in, in summer basketball the all the talent started to, you know you get a pocket of kids over here you get a pocket of kids over there and vice versa you know so now you're starting these camps started to become a little bit more diluted and i was trying to figure out a way to like how do you just get the best of the best together you know in an atmosphere that's like really true to basketball it's roots of basketball and it's like 
the great thing about the game of basketball is you don't need a key to the gym. You can just go get a ball and play anywhere outside. <laughs> you know, you have access. By right? yourself. Yeah. And, and that's kind of – that's how a lot of people learn how to play the game. It's just getting out to the park. So living in New York at the time, you know, let, let's create a game that's not about a sneaker company. It's about, like, represent where you're from and represent yourself and come play at the most – legendary historic playground in the world which is Rucker Park and I, th I think for a lot of kids like Michael Beasley at the time and Kevin Love and Brandon Jennings and you know the Jared Baylesses and DeAndre Jordans at the time like they were they have never been to New York before right <laughs> yeah. and for them to to come out there and and go play at the mecca of playground basketball being a high school athlete it was just different for them you know and I, I think the park really sold it you know the park was really like the draw they wanted to go experience that culture and they wanted to come out there and try to earn a nickname you know so that was kind of yes. so we're just trying to create an atmosphere and and it was you know for so many years you know and it was free people could attend for free you just show up to the park and come watch 24 of the best players in the world at, at their age group play you know i i think 22 of the 24 of the first year went on to play in the nba Wow. You know, which was, Incredible. you know, amazing. If you live in that neighborhood and you can go see this talent, you'll remember that forever. You know, and you were telling me, um, Chris, you were telling me on a phone call that we had a while back that uh, when the kids showed up to the Elite 24, you kind of just handed them their uniforms like here, wear this. And they were unbranded and they were like, well, what shoes should we wear? And you're like, just wear whatever the fuck you brought. We don't care what <laughs> shoes. And, and that yeah. had like a, a great like appeal to them. Like, OK, I'm not yeah. being monetized or controlled yeah. here i'm just here to ball yeah and that, that was kind of the idea and we struggled with the right i mean we were buying like their practice gear at footlocker like the day before <laughs> nothing, shipped, nothing shipped on time and it was just right. a mess josh knows about and, that uh, it's funny uh <laughs> a dear friend of mine uh adam yauk um mca yeah. from bc boy who who had passed away but um adam documented the first the first year and I remember him giving each kid like a little video camera so they can kind of film the, the, you know, the whole event through their eyes and we collect them and integrated that into a documentary that we produced and, and uh, debuted at the Tribeca Film Festival in 2000, I don't know, 2008 or nine or something like that. But Adam was, was just incredible. He was a genius, you know, and um, really documenting this event, um, gave it some culture, you know, the way he, the way he frameworked it and gave it, gave, and that really lifted the event. And it, 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 you know, it came at the end of the summertime. So it was like, Hey, go work really hard in the summer and earn your way into this game. Mm, you know? Like that. So that, that was like something that um, we tried to continue. And then as the years went on, you know, the game kind of picked up steam and we, we brought it out to the West coast of Venice beach and um so we had it we hosted it there and then we brought it back to brooklyn and started to really build out these really spectacular venues like on these boardwalks and on the piers and with these huge skyline views and it was just such, such an amazing experience for these kids to get out there and showcase their skills uh, on that type of platform you know outdoors 
I love seeing basketball in different in different uh, contexts too, because like you said, that's the way the game is played. I was talking to someone last night, uh, and he was went to visit a student uh, English teacher, and he but he plays basketball. Went to visit a student in Mongolia. And first thing he got off the plane, he asked him, "Hey, come with me." And he's like, "Where are we going?" First thing they did, go to a gym, play ba- play ba- play basketball. So That's no matter where you are, sounds like Bobito. Right? Bobito does that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We had a, we had a kid uh, at Fresno State. His name was James Gray, and everyone called him Gumby. That was his nickname, <laughs> right? He went to Westchester High School. If you look him up, he was unbelievable. <laughs> okay. uh, first road trip, we get to the airport. And they're like, your ID, sir? And he, he goes, here's my ID. It's a basketball, and he had his name written on it, Gumby. He's, his <laughs> <ID right> here. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. True story. Oh That's God. awesome. Well, uh, hey, as we as we trans uh, transition from Elite 24 to your role at Under Armour, um, I think that there's some tie-in there because um, one of our favorite questions to ask on this pod is, is the playground game dead? <laughs> Um, and I want to preface that a little bit by saying what you did with Elite 24, and and if we can see a revamp of that, we would be totally behind that and and love it just because you're well, you, you guys are going to do the uniforms. Absolutely, 100. percent Yes, um, and we have that on film, so we can, we can play that <laughs> we'll back. Some throwbacks. Yes. Um, but yeah, we I mean we would support that in any way that we we possibly could, obviously. Uh, but it's more about getting kids back on the playgrounds because we we don't see it as much as what we used to. And I know that part of uh, the Curry brand, and I was I was doing some research on the Curry brand uh, that they're getting back out into the communities, or at least they were pre-COVID, anyways, sure. um, yeah. and re- revamping some courts um and trying to bring communities back out to the playgrounds and um can you speak on that just a little bit and and how important you think that initiative is yeah i I mean you know um everything that we're trying to do around the curry brand is rooted in purpose and for stefan it's about you know he has uh three pillars eat learn play it's one of his foundations you know eat right um get out and play sports you know and and educate yourself and you know uh and where we fit into the puzzle of around the Curry brand is like, okay, how can we have an impact and what's authentic to you, Steph? And it's, it's rooted in sports, right? So playing the game of basketball, getting kids out, living an active lifestyle, um, less time in front of the TV and, and, you know, less time in front of the joysticks playing games, but get out and, and participate and get out of the digital world for a while and get to know people, you know? Yep. And so I think this year we'll finish the the year at like seven to nine playgrounds that we're going to refurb. Yeah, that's, that's cool. We're that's doing, great. we're doing one with Snoop down in Long Beach, you know, <laughs> yes. we're going to, yeah. So we had a call with him, a zoom last week, which was unbelievable <laughs> by the way, you know, it's just crazy. Yeah, feel free to throw those yeah. invites our <laughs> way too. You know, we, we won't say anything. We I just, just want to be on it. Yeah. I mean, he was yeah, in the yeah, studio, exactly. you know, doing studio <laughs> things, right? Yeah. So, he was in the studio and, and, uh, you know, just the, the, um, the dialogue between him and Stefan was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, coming from two completely different backgrounds in life, but coming together through the, the, you know, through sport. And, um, that's the connectivity of sport, you know, that it brings all these different people together for a com you know, a good cause and the cause is to help kids. And, um, you know, we we're doing a lot of those things early with Brandon Jennings when we first signed Brandon to Under Armour and going back to his community in Gardena, right outside of Compton, and and in Milwaukee and with Kemba when we'd signed Kemba, doing things in the Bronx and uh, out in Charlotte. So it's important. I, you know, it's for Stefan. 
it, it, the focus is really youth, right? It's it's even before high school, you know, giving those kids a chance and and, and providing the right coaching. That's an important piece of it you know it's it's we can go build these foundations these pillars but if you don't have the right people operating keeping keeping them together keeping them up and then actually giving the right advice to these kids then it's kind of pointless you know we talk about it we talk about it all the time it's 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 so hard to find good coaches and, and and good refs and um, you know, we try to keep that in front of our parents' minds of take it easy on these guys because they're doing the best that they can. And this is a yeah. thankless job yeah. on both sides. They're doing it, it for free. Know. Yeah. Yeah. And youth sports is, is just an, a monster right now too. Um, but then, you know, in the same sense, if you're a high school coach, you have to build your program from your feeder leagues up or your high school program is never going to get to where you need it yeah. to be. Um, yeah. and it's kind of the same, the same concept there, but co- good coaching, good refereeing is few and far between, you know, because, because of, uh, because of what they have to put up with. I, I yeah. really, truly believe that. Yeah. Yeah. So for Stefan, for us with the Curry brand, it's, it's really like, Hey, he laid out the game plan, right? He laid out like, Hey, this is what, what I want this brand to stand for and be about. It's just, it's our team just now going, going out and executing his vision, you know? And, and, and when you have someone like him, that's so, um, you know, passionate about it, it, you know, invested, he invests so much of his time in it and Mm. he's out there in front of the kids actually present that, that Mm. just, you know, and like Snoop said the other day, it's it's not about like money as much as giving your time and, and being present. You know, that's that's very aspirational for those kids. You can see it in kids too. Like when he's around, he he is one of those magnetic personalities that the kids just light up when they when they see him. And maybe it's that's that connectivity. You've heard a lot of that too. I'm curious, yeah. just what what kind of pressure comes uh, being part of a team of of a once in a generation talent like him? And I'm also kind of curious if it's changed because he's gone through this kind of metamorphosis that you see happening with Giannis a little bit now. He wins those two MVPs. Giannis won two, and now people are saying like. Oh, he can't win it. And now stuff's maybe coming back around where people are starting to recognize again. He's always been amazing whenever he's not not injured. And it's just like there's these weird narratives that it seems like get get driven behind the scenes maybe even and it, are divorced from how they're playing. But he you become like a villain almost on that team. But he's I feel like he's been the same the whole time, just like this awesome player. So I'm just yeah. curious what kind of pressures come along. And then how do you navigate just – the like bigger media telling trying to tell a story that you're also trying to tell uh you know from the first person point of view well i can't speak on the behalf of him as as far as the pressure of you know i think whenever you're that great like lebron and Giannis and steph um like if people aren't trying to knock you down then you're probably not that great right so (laughs) They ran out of shit to talk about. <laughs> so they're just trying to create like false stories and false narratives. Yeah, sure. So, the media loves to do that shit. Yeah. So, you know, it's like with Tiger and all the great ones, mm. you know, um, they're just going to find anything they could dig up to talk about. So he's never not been great. I think like where, you know, the greatness of Stefan is in his humility, right? Like when, when Durant, was making that decision and and wanted to come to Golden State. You know, he wanted to understand from Steph where his head was at, and Steph welcomed it with the understanding that both of them were going to have to sacrifice so much of their individual game to make the the 
the teamwork. So both of them are very, very humble in that aspect. And that says a lot about who they are as athletes and people. Um, but it also robbed us as fans, as people that love the game, to see both of them in the, the prime prime of their career exploit their individual skills because mm. they're fitting into this team atmosphere, you know, in order to win championships, right? So, you know, but but I think what you're seeing now is because he had to carry, you know, now he has to carry so much of that offensive load yeah. for them to just stay in games. You're just seeing what and, – and, and it's tough because a lot of the young players on that team today don't understand – his game as well as Draymond does, you know, because <laughs> um, he played with such a core unit for so many years. So they, they didn't understand, like, you know, just uh, him giving up the ball early and getting it back and the way he can relocate, you know, and he's seeing things so far ahead, you know, and the way he's setting guys up and telling them, go set the screen over here and, yeah. you know, vice versa. So from that perspective, but, but from a business standpoint, you know, when the – the tsunami, if you will, of Stefan took took shape and took yeah. place. It's a gift and a curse from a business standpoint because um, the, the gift is that you're going to generate a, a very big business, mm-hmm. you know, very fast. And that's what happened. The curse is if you make part product that's not up to industry standard or up to his level, you're gonna you're gonna it could hurt the <laughs> business. You know, and it can expose things really, really quick. Mm. Um, and we encountered a lot of that over the years. You know, um, so there were there was there were some mishaps along the way, um, but that takes a lot of thick skin to get through it and, and keep moving forward. I, I think it's we're literally in the eighth year of this relationship, and we finally have a technology that we've come up with that was built off of Stefan's um, game called Flow. And this technology, it's, it's the first rubberless basketball shoe ever created. And, you know, it's, it's the benefits, the traction benefits. It, it's, it's like a, it's a, it's truly an advantage, you know, and, and, and he's talked about that. And last week we we're on a call with our innovation team for about an hour talking about the first half of the season and the way the shoe has been holding up for him and the way it's been reacting to his movements. Hmm. It's, 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 it's amazing. You know, it's really amazing. Um, how much positive sentiment that he has around this product, you know? Nice. That's yeah. Awesome. I just got the insert. Um, just got the, the, the latest slam got delivered yeah. yesterday. Yeah. So I just yeah. got the insert and was, yeah, he'll talk about it, but it pushes you, you know, when you have an athlete at that level, it pushes your teams to innovate, to be mm-hmm. great, to strive for better all the time because he's never, Stefan's never satisfied. He's just not that type of person. <laughs> Um, so it's, and, and he can do all that respectfully and do it all with a smile on his face, you know, yep. and, and, you know, so that's, that's a skill. It is. you know, and, and, and when he kicks your ass in golf, he smiles, <laughs> you know? So, so yeah. So oh, okay. who wins? Yeah. Yeah. Chris, we gotta, who we wins? Go, go right I there. Mean, if we play 10 times, you know, who wins? and I'll get my shots. I'll maybe win once. Oh, you know, all right. if, we play, if we play 10 times, but he, <laughs> he's, he's a, He's an amazing golfer. His father's an amazing golfer. Um, Dell's, they're just, you know, great people, just competitors. Dell is one of the most competitive people you're ever going to meet in your life. And so is Stefan's mom. You know, they're just really competitive people. And, and, and you see that, you know, look, look at what Seth is doing. I think Seth, 
is undervalued and and, been awesome to watch. Dallas definitely Dallas definitely undervalued him. (laughs) Very 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 competitive person, but he just does it quietly, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's he is such a hoop head, Seth. He really just loves 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 the game of basketball. Hmm. You know, it's he's a total hoop head. Well, one one item you guys did not miss on in the Under Armour stuff, as you talked about, you struggled a little bit early. Is that hat that you're wearing? Is it possible that we can get a few of those? Down Absolutely. Here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks Absolutely. super cool. I need one of those in my life, Chris. Yeah, I'm no, not gonna no lie problem. to you. Willing to swap them. You're you're the man for that. So just to kind of um just to kind of wrap up here, this this whole podcast um theme is is going along with our hardwood heaven that we're dropping during the the final four weekend um where we're trying to highlight and tell the best stories of college basketball and and we had you on because we wanted to bring you on with all the curry stuff and everything obviously but it was really the tie to tark and telling some good tark stories and and he's a a focus of one of our stories um in hardwood heaven and so we always we've kind of tailored our last question to our guests and what they're good at and um so with uh ndp and stonebrook yesterday we asked them when when dr naismith opens the gates to hardwood heaven i know both of you guys are looking down at his feet to see what he's wearing <laughs> you know what 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 it, ideally what would you have him wear um for because of the shoe guys but you you bring people together you you are an organizer you can put together a, a game or a contest or anything so dr naismith uh welcomes you into the gates and says, Chris, this is your hardwood heaven. This is your basketball utopia. You get to do whatever you want to do with this place. What are you shaping up? What are you forming? What do you want to see? What are you getting everybody else hyped to sit down and watch um, in hardwood heaven? Wow. You know, uh, uh, wow. Maybe taking uh, some of Coach Tark's greatest players of all time and putting them up at the Rucker. Yes. Letting Lloyd Daniels oh, go against gosh. like Stacy Ogman and and Mark Wade and and you know Freddie Banks and these guys and Freddie let them Banks. Just, Freddie Banks call. dropped like ten threes on IU in '87. Yeah. I'll never forget yeah. the name Freddie Banks. Yeah, Freddie come out and speak to our team, and you know uh, I remember he, he spoke to our team a few times, and and you know like just gosh, they had so many. You know, Sydney, they had so many guys. The hammer. You know, yeah, Greg Anthony and Reggie Theus. Just you know, let, let's put like a alumni game of all those guys in their prime, and and let Jerry My coach man. both teams. <laughs> there you go. Just make there sure you go. get his That'd towels cool. right. Yeah, yeah. yeah no he, told, he, he told a great story, man. When 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 coach was coaching at um, Cal State, or he was at Long Beach, and they yep. played Cal State LA, and it was um, Raymond Lewis. And I think Raymond dropped like 65 on them with no three-point line. And they had the Pondexter twins at um, at Long Beach, and they were great players. And Jerry's like, I've never, ever in my life seen a guy this good, ever. Hmm. You know, and, and just the stories about that guy, legendary. Yeah, so, wow. I mean, Jerry, Jerry, was, Jerry was, he was the best because you would just go sit in his office and you could just talk basketball for two straight hours about some of the greatest yeah. basketball players people and players of all time. We were on a trip and Dale Brown was a good friend of his and we went to go play LSU and Ed comes in, our athletic trainer's like, yeah, we're going to take the guys to McDonald's and Jerry's like, fuck that. We're going to the greatest barbecue place in the history of <laughs> yeah. Louisiana. Yes. You know, so 
That was Jerry. Uh, yeah. Like we're no. And when we got to our hotel, there was the biggest. We had a guy, Kendrick Brooks, who was a really good college player and played at Fresno for us. And he's from the area, so coach would always schedule a home game in that senior's hometown. And right. uh, the spread that was laid out that night with the catfish and all of it was just unbelievable. Man. You know that 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 that's a culture though that Jerry. You know, that's a team building. Yeah, that's what you're saying. Those relationships. So that's why guys, you think about why guys love a guy like Jerry. Like, he cares. He built that culture. Yeah. Well, Chris, we can't thank you enough for for taking the time to come on and and talk Tark and talk talk Under Armour and and, uh, Hardwood Heaven and everything with us. Uh, You're the man for this, and and we owe you greatly. So, yeah, we appreciate you, man. I'm wearing my slam shorts too right now. So yeah. we're 19. There we go. Slam shorts. Okay. I appreciate <laughs> there it. We go. It's nice and Cali yeah. right now. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Come back Thank on you, anytime, man. man. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the 199 podcast. If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, make sure you do. And while you're there, leave us a rating and review. Five stars like the basketball camp. We also have links to all of 1999 social media so you never miss a release. Until next time.